Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Oh, good morning, church. Let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 33, the first verse. We'll be in 33rd chapter of Exodus while you're turning. If you're visiting Christ Church, we're glad you're here. My name is Mark. I get to be one of the ministers here, and we're glad you joined us for worship. We hope you feel comfortable joining in, participating at whatever level you express yourself to God, and we hope you meet a few people that you may know or uh, get to know in the next few weeks as you join with us. We are in a series called Pathways, and it is a uh, word picture for us that shows us what it means to follow Jesus, to walk with him, to experience life with Jesus as he guides us through this thing that we're experiencing each and every day. And these pathways that we're looking for are things we're finding in Scripture that God has given us to help us draw close to him. Uh, We're going to look at three in this series, uh, Scripture, Prayer, and Community. And today, uh, the first two weeks, we focused on Scripture, and we talked about the transforming power of Scripture, That God's words are never by accident and nothing was ever wasted. God's words create things and cleanse things. They challenge us and they have a critical nature to them, not in condemning us, but actually pointing out to us areas of our lives where we can know what is right, what is not right, how to get right and how to stay right. It's the easiest way to look at what the Bible does for us. And it reveals who God is to us. Last week, in our first week on prayer, Peter Buckland, one of our elders, uh, shared with us uh, a message about how prayer is the way that God opens himself up to us and we open ourselves up to him. And if you didn't get to hear that message, I'd encourage you to go online. You can go to our YouTube channel or our webpage or download us on your podcast device and you can hear that message. And I'd encourage you to listen to that as Peter taught us some really good things. Now, as we talk about being a disciple of Jesus and following him, let's always remember that these things that God gave us do not make us holy. It's not the intention that if I pray, all of a sudden I become holy. No, actually, as I pray, I enter into the holiness of God. I get to experience who God is and enjoy him because he is, according to Dallas Willard, he is the treasure. God is the end result of all that he asks us to do that we might know him more and be able to walk with him. Now, the core of our congregation, the the purpose behind the leadership of this church is founded in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, where it says that God is calling his people to maturity or completeness in Jesus, that all of our gifting and all of our work together and our gatherings like this and our service in the community, all of it is designed to help each one of us come to a maturing process by becoming more like Jesus. And we become more like Jesus when we believe who Jesus says he is, when, when he identifies who he is and we see that it's true, not only will we believe in who Jesus is, but we will trust what Jesus trusted. Now, when it comes to prayer, I want you to notice as you read the gospels that the disciples would ask Jesus regularly, tell us about that thing. Tell us about prayer. Because Jesus would go at evenings and mornings, he'd get away from the crowd, he'd go spend time in prayer with his father, and and the disciples realized this was a core of what Jesus was doing, and, and they wanted to know why he was doing it and what he was doing. And Jesus explained to them several times what prayer was all about, and that's what we want to focus on today. But in Exodus chapter 33 may seem a strange text for prayer, but I think you'll see what I see in just a few moments. The context of this particular passage is pretty clear. Moses has led, by God's design, had led the Israelites out of Egypt 
through the desert to Mount Sinai. They had crossed the Red Sea. The Egyptian army had been defeated there. They climbed up to Mount Sinai where God met Moses on the mountain. Now Moses was allowed to go up. Everybody else was to stay off the mountain. In fact, they were told, if even an animal wanders on the mountain, it's gonna die. The holiness of God was present. For 40 days and 40 nights, Moses was on the hill. And the people got impatient, which we're apt to do. And they got impatient in such a way that they thought Moses was dead and never coming back. And here they were abandoned in the wilderness and they melted all their gold together and they made a golden calf, something to worship. They were looking for the gods of their past. And in the midst, Moses came down off the mountain. And of course we know Charlton Heston smashed the tablets and then 3,000 people died at the verdict of God for them violating his code of holiness. This is the context of today's text. And what we're going to talk about when we talk about prayer is not how to pray, but why we pray, what difference prayer makes. So let me ask you a question, and this is not a shame-filled question. This is a question to provoke you to thoughtfulness. Are you desperate for his presence? Do you value the presence of God? Are you hungry for it, thirsting after it, like Jesus said, that those in his kingdom would hunger and thirst for righteousness? are you? You see, one scholar I was reading uh, this summer said something I thought was just profound, and it's been in my, my mind. It's been playing in my mind for a long time now, that many of us try to live the promises of God without the presence of God. We try to live out the promises of God's goodness without the presence of God's goodness, and that is a waste of energy and effort. You see, you can do a lot of religious routines. You can come to a lot of events like this. You can have a daily devotional you read, and none of those things are wrong within themselves. But if you're doing those to have the presence or the promise of God without the presence of God, you are wasting your days. Nothing significant will happen without the presence of God guiding, leading, and shaping us. Now, with that in mind, let's look at Exodus 33, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But notice this, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. So if you ever wonder what God would be like driving a car full of his children, this would be that verse, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm about to pull this thing over, right? So God has said to Moses, remember right after the moment with the, the calf and everything, God says, you guys go. I'm going to send an angel in front of you to give you all the promises I've given you, but I will not go. And in this interaction with Moses, we learn quite a bit about what is available to us, not just in prayer, but what is available to us in God. So I just want to make a couple of points to walk us through the text. The first is this. We have a life-changing privilege. We have a life-changing privilege in front of us. Jump down to verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent... All the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. 
Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now, I want you to imagine this scene with me. I mean, actually put yourself in a scenario that you can envision what is going on here and what it might have been like. The God of all creation coming down in a cloud to meet a man. Now, Moses is a good man, but he's not a perfect man. Moses wasn't a holy man. Moses was a man called by God who responded to God with faith and obedience. That was his, that's a justification of why he has this moment. And God called him into this tent. Now imagine that you would wake up and we were in a camping environment and each of us had our tent and we get up in the morning and we see Moses walking through the camp and he's heading outside of the camp to one particular tent where God would come down in a cloud and encompass that tent and it says he would meet with Moses and talk as two friends would talk. And each and every morning that Moses would get up and head to the tent, we would all come outside of ours and we would stand there and we would wait till Moses went in and we would stay standing worshiping. What an awesome opportunity this was. What an amazing moment this was. And as we were waiting outside, we would stay standing outside of our tent until Moses left the tent and the cloud ascended back. And there, in that moment, we would go back to our lives. What were they thinking? What were they desiring? What did they want? I know what I would have wanted. I'd have wanted to go in the tent. I would have wondered what it would have been like. What is Moses experiencing? What was this like? How cool would it be to go into a tent and meet with God face to face, even in the image of the cloud, to talk as friends talk, as people who know each other and have relationship? What a powerful moment. Does it seem ridiculous? Does it seem overstated? Are you thinking, well, that was then, this is now? No, do you understand that the saints of the Old Testament would have given anything to walk in that tent, and you and I have that privilege every day. Every single day, the presence of God will meet us in the tent of meeting, and we are the tent of meeting. When the Holy Spirit abides in us, the connection with God, the moment of being able to draw into his presence and stand in worship before the presence of God, it's ours. We have a life-changing privilege. But we are also, what we were created to do cannot be done without him. Moses teaches me a lot in this text. In verse 12, Moses says to the Lord, remember God has said, but I won't go with you. And Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Now, God has said, I'm going to send an angel and I'm going to wipe out all the tribes that are occupying the land I'm going to give you. God has given those nations a chance to repent. He has called them to himself and they've rejected him. And he's sending Moses in and he said, I'm going to send an angel and you're going to overcome this city and this tribe and these people. And we would all go, that sounds awesome. But Moses is like, no, no, wait a second. The promises of God without the presence of God are no good. Moses says, but I want to know you. I want more of you. I don't want accomplishments. I don't want fame. The land means nothing if you're not there with us. You see what he's doing here. Moses is instructing all of us. He has seen what God can do, but he says, but if you won't go with us, I don't want to go. What do we learn from this? Too many times in my life, I can live out the promises of God without the presence of God. 
I've had seasons in my life, I've gone months without actually sitting down in the presence of God outside of a Sunday morning worship service and actually talking to God about where I am and what I'm thinking and where my heart is and what, I, what help I need and why am I this way. I, you, can, you can be religious without the presence of God, but you can't be a follower if there's nothing to follow, if there's no one to follow. You see, the promises of God without the presence of God are actually a waste and many of us are fine with that. Now, this is not condemnation. I'm hoping the Holy Spirit brings conviction that there is an incredible opportunity in front of all of us and without God, we can't do a thing. You see, Moses knows that going in and overcoming these nations would be awesome, but it doesn't accomplish the purpose and that is, is I wanna know you. I'm in your favor and that'll play out more in just a little bit. You see, there's not one thing that we can do in the Christian life that God calls us to do if he is not with us. And yet, if God is with us, there is nothing we cannot do that God has called us to do. The presence demands and requires everything. And his presence is everything. That's why Jesus would say in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing away from me. And then he also tells us, I must go to the Father. He said, it's better that I go to the Father and the Holy Spirit comes and abides among you. Where the tent of meeting is no longer a location outside of our camp. It's actually in each of us as the Holy Spirit abides in us, guides us, directs us. There is no lasting kingdom work without the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's no depth of study without the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's no changed behavior of any significance without the holy presence of God's spirit inside of us. So we are created with a life-changing opportunity and we are created for a life-changing purpose. We also have a responsibility we must not forsake. This is one one of the whys to pray. Why should we pray? Well, in verse 13, Moses says, remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, for the longest time, I have to be honest with you, I missed the point of this. I thought Moses wasn't listening. God said, I'm going to give you the land, but I'm not going with you. And Moses said, don't give us the land if you don't go with us. And God said, okay, I'm going to go with you. And Moses said, yeah, but tell me, don't send us if you're not going to come. And I thought, Moses, listen. And then smarter people than me showed me something here in the text. When God says, my presence will go with you, that's a singular. He's saying to Moses, I'll go with you. And Moses looks around and says, but what about, what about them? He's not changing God's mind. God is testing Moses here. And Moses says in verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? God is putting Moses to a test here. And if Moses just cares about himself, think about it. He walks out of the tent. He goes by these people that have grumbled about him from day one. They've tried to get him not to be the leader. They've tried to overthrow. There was a coup. All of this takes place. Moses could have walked out the tent and was like, see ya, suckas. But he doesn't. He strolls out and he says to God, no, your people are your glory. Your people are your testimony. It's not just about me, it's about us. And how many times did Moses say to God, don't ruin your name because we're a mess. Your plan will work, Father, with those that are faithful. 
He says in verse 16, one more time, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? It won't be their accomplishments. It'll be his presence. And see, we also have the presence of God to enlarge our faith. This is what grows us. You want to find completeness in Jesus? Spend more time in God's presence. Sometimes it may be on a long walk by yourself or, or going down to Arkansas and riding your bike through the hills or sitting under a tree in a hammock. Or for some of you, it's studying and it's using your hands and serving God in that way and drawing yourself into the presence brings life. This is what enlarges our faith. Verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. God says, I'm going to be with you. And you're right, Moses, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise up people to be a blessing to the world. Verse 18, then Moses says, now show me your glory. And I sometimes wonder if Moses isn't overreaching here. Have you ever had a moment when you were given a blessing and you asked for one more thing and ruined it? It was sometime in the 70s. I was probably upper elementary, junior high. This is an old story for you people under 30. But there were two amazing television programs on Tuesday night on ABC at 8 and 8.30. It was called Happy Days in Laverne and Shirley. And it was epic, life-changing television. I was supposed to go to bed at 8.30. This was the law in the Christian household. And yet, Laverne and Shirley was on at 8.30, and it was a good show, and I wanted to watch it. And all my friends would be talking about it, and I had an earlier bedtime than all of them. My parents' rule was, you don't have to go to sleep, just leave us alone and get out. So we had to go to our bedrooms. I think that's what they meant, anyway. And so we'd go to our bedrooms. You could read, but we didn't have televisions in our bedrooms, so we couldn't watch whatever we wanted or stream on our little things. So we just went to bed and read books. Amazing thing. We survived, anyway. And I remember one particular time, everyone was talking about this episode of Laverne and Shirley, and I said to my mom and dad, can I, can I stay up till nine, please, just to watch this show and I go right to bed, I won't argue, I'll go right to bed and I promise tomorrow I won't be a jerk and crabby and everything. Oh, I would have been, but I'd fake it. And I just said, can I stay up till nine? And my, my dad, my mom looked at each other, they were in a good mood that night and they looked, they said, okay, but you go right to bed at nine o'clock. And I said, yeah, and then I couldn't stop myself. I just got an extended break to watch Laverne and Shirley and I said, and can I have some ice cream? <laughs> that night I went to bed at 8.30 <laughs> without watching Laverne and Shirley because Dale said, go to your bed. I had overreached. I couldn't accept the blessing I had. I wanted more. And I used to think that Moses is extending that. He's going, can I have some, some of your glory? And it, but I was wrong. Moses isn't asking God to give him something. Moses is asking God to give him himself. See the difference? Here's why. I believe you'll find in scripture that when you discover God's true beauty his true majesty, his true goodness, you will never get enough of it. You'll never be satisfied. Your heart will be hungry for more, thirsting for more. So when I asked you earlier, are you hungering and thirsting for the presence of God? If your honest soul answer today is, I'm not, then I wanna show you how prayer brings that to light, brings it to you to replenish yourself in the glory. Moses has seen everything. He had a burning bush talk to him. He saw the waters part and drown an army. He saw the 10 plagues. He saw the power of God in a pillar of fire and pillar of smoke lead them to places and deliver water to them. All of these experiences are going on. And Moses in this moment says, I still want more of you. And that's a good thing, isn't it? That's not being greedy. That's being what we're supposed to be. 
This is why Paul could say in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. Paul said, I've given it all away. I wouldn't ask for any of it back because I got what I needed. I got the presence and the beauty of Jesus. And Jesus says, when you have me, you have my Father. You have the Holy Spirit. You have everything I want you to have. You see, and to have more of God's glory is not to trick him. It's not to bargain or barter with God. It's actually, it's not found in insincere sacrifices or promises. It's not even found in routine moments of prayer where we pray for five minutes before a meal so we feel better about eating the meal. No, it's actually found when we hunger and thirst to be in the presence of God no matter where we are. Fellowshipping with him, unified with him, talking as friends, being together as friends, thoughtfully and sincerely. See, when, when we do this, when we desire and hunger and thirst for God, it's an expression of our faith in who he is. It's an expression of our faith in what he's called us to, community with him. And it call, it's an expression of our faith to live life with God, not just for God. And if you think about it, the source of creation, the creator, and the intent of creation was that we might live with God in fellowship. That's why God made the heavens and the earth that we might live with him. And what a privilege it is that that God still invites us into his presence to enjoy it, to grow in it. Last week, if you were here, Peter gave us an acrostic. He took the letters for pray, P-R-A-Y, and he gave us how we pray. But I wanna walk through and take that same device and I actually wanna embed it even more in us by taking it just to another level to show you how prayer draws us into the presence of God and how your prayer, listen to me now, if you checked out, come back. Prayer is not giving God something to do. Let's change that. Prayer is not giving God tasks. It's actually enjoying him. And let me show you how to use those four letters in a way that the Bible calls us to enjoy the presence of God and to go deeper into him. Let's begin with the letter P, praise. Acknowledge his presence through acclaim and adoration. Just spend some time being with God and acknowledging him. It's appreciating him. Psalm 148, 13 says, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. I encourage you, if you're taking notes right now, I'd like to give you something to try this week. It's worked for me. Now, if you're a visitor here, I'm not arrogant enough to think that if you all prayed like me, you'd be holy. It hasn't worked on me yet, so I won't give it to you that way. But I'll tell you, this has helped me pray because prayer is a discipline that does not come easy to me. I like to be busy. and Sometimes prayer makes my busyness get put on hold for being with God, and that's a better thing but it's the discipline. Remember, we drive the habit and then the habit drives us. So here's a healthy habit. Write or speak five things about God that have been revealed to you. I've been doing this for the past uh, three months in a journal. I hate the journal, but I'm journaling because I love God. And I'm writing things down. I wanna encourage you. Start by speaking or writing down five things when you begin to pray about God himself. Now, the one that comes up every Every morning for me when I do my journal is, God, you are patient. God has been more patient with me than I am with myself. 
He has loved me and been there for me when I have not been there for him. He has chosen to love me over and above my ability or what I deserve. So it's easy for me. I get one every morning. Got another day of you being patient with me while I grow up. Just start that. For those of you who don't write, just speak it. Come up with five things. You think that'd be hard. No, it won't. It becomes easier and easier as your mind focuses on the glory of God. You also then relish him in gratitude. It's one of the ways we praise him. Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So after you've listed five things and you've spoken to God, five things about him that you value or five things that you're finding to be true, then I want you to write down or speak 10 things about what you're grateful for. And go micro to macro. Start with small things. I was cutting the grass yesterday. I went by the bushes. There's a part where our sprinkler system has hit the woods and there were blackberries there. And I walked by and I thought, there's six, eight blackberries here. I should take them in and share them with my family. And then that thought passed and I ate them all. (laughs) And this morning when I was praising God on the way to church, first thing I started with was, thank you for blackberries. Now you think I'm being silly, no. It is the small little gifts that God put into creation from the micro to the macro. You can end with forgiveness of sins, yes, but in between, thank God for air conditioning. Thank God for the rain. Thank God for good people in your life who encourage you and hold you up. So do that. Tell him who he is. Tell him why you love him. The letter R is repent. Approach his presence through honest confession. I'll give you some things you might do to help you do this without shame breaking you. Psalm 32, 5 says, And I acknowledge my sin to you, and you did not cover up my iniquity, did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. James tells us that our unconfessed sin hinders our prayers. Possibly one of the reasons we don't like to pray is we don't like to be honest about what we've done. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Again, if you're a note taker, write, these words, write this verse down. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. I'd encourage you to memorize it. Most of us know it from a hymn we used to sing back in the old church. But it's a verse worth memorizing. Here it is. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If I can speak a little more street than pulpit, I'll tell you this. Quote Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 and then shut up. Sit in it. Meditate on it. Because here's what God does. God will speak life into you when you're confessing your sins. You will know you can be forgiven if you're honest about what you've done. So you might awaken one day and say, God, I'm really being tempted in this area of my life right now. Or or yesterday I took a shortcut I should not have taken. And I took it for these reasons. You see, it's not just saying to God, I sinned. It's actually processing in the presence of God, his goodness to help me, to say, I'm feeling weak in this area and I know me, I'm gonna break down if I don't come to you for strength. And then you confess. Tell God what what are the shortcuts you're facing that are tempting to you. You can confess, when did you assault someone's character when they weren't there so you could feel better about yourself? When did you not speak the whole truth because the whole truth would make you look less? 
It's moments like this that we're honest with God. If he, that as you are quietly before God and he is searching your heart, God will bring to mind memories and thoughts that you need to say to him, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that, I'm sorry. So you begin to confess where you're challenged. You begin to confess when you might have disparaged someone else's character. You confess when you took advantage of a situation for your own benefit when it wasn't right. These are things that God wants us to hear. And as you confess them to God, the presence of God will bring strength and life to you and forgiveness. Third, ask. Bless others in intercession. We are to pray for others. But once again, don't view this as giving God something to do. I'd like to just flip the phrase. When I'm praying for others, I'm not going to give God something to do. I'm going to ask him to be with someone because the presence of God is the treasure. Let me explain. In Colossians 1.9, Paul writes, or he prays this prayer and he writes it out. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Paul prays that God's presence will be known, that God's power will be displayed, that God himself will be acknowledged. So this is kind of a a strange moment in the life of my family. My mom has been put on hospice. And so, she's gonna be okay because she's gonna be with him. I don't have to like it, do I? No, I don't. And so I'm not gonna like it, I'm gonna deal with it. But one of the things I'm learning is that the reason I can say those words and not melt into a puddle is because there are people that have prayed for my family for a month. That's the only thing I know. There have been moments, I mean, for the love, can I be honest with you? I had to give my mom a suppository. Yeah, you can laugh with me because that's what makes me cry. My mom looked at me and she goes, oh, Mark, I'm so sorry. And I thought inside, not as sorry as me, mom. (laughs) And I had to put her pull up on her and I had to clean her up. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, I'm so sorry you have to do this. I said, mom, didn't you do that for me? And she looked at me and she said, until you were six. And I'm like, I didn't wear a diaper till I was six. (laughs) She's starting to lose. But my mom's going away. The doctors have told us she's not gonna get better. She's 86 years old. Last time she was in the hospital, before all of this was when she gave birth to my little brother in 1970. She's had a good run. She's strong. She loves Jesus. She's a good mom. She's going. I don't have to like it. I just have to deal with it. The reason I can deal with it is because people pray. And what they don't pray is, I don't want you to pray my mom gets better. She's not going to get better. And in fact, I don't think my mom wants to stay. I think she's had enough. So I want her to go. And so... However God handles this, let God handle it. But here's the key. I'm not gonna ask God to give my mom what I want her to have. I want God to be with my mom. Can you think of somebody right now you just want God to be with? To just show up in a burning bush, in a pillar of cloud or fire? Is there anybody in your life right now that would be blessed not with God doing something for them, but God actually showing up with them? Because we know God's available, we just don't see him. We don't pay attention. What prayer does is prayer allows us to ask the God of the universe to make himself known to someone we care about. Let's not give God something to do. 
Let's give God a place to be. Let's ask him to show his glory. And then your prayer isn't how long you pray. It's who you're praying to. The last letter in prayer is yield. This is where we seek his powerful deliverance and help. When we're facing challenges, hardship, or oppression, we find ourselves praying for deliverance. Psalm 107, 6 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Are you stuck? Are you empty? Is prayer something you're thinking, nah, I'm just not interested? Call out to God, because it's God's desire to walk with you. The source of creation and the intent of creation was to be in fellowship with Almighty God. What a privilege. Take it to him before you walk away. Take it to him in prayer before you quit. In your worst moments, stand before God. And if the person who's in their worst moment can't stand before God, then stand there for them. Just ask God's presence. One last story. Those of you who've been at Christ Church as long as I've been here, you know this story. I don't know what to pray for my older brother, Steve, anymore. Steve's a wonderful human being, but he doesn't care about the kingdom. He has no engagement, no interest. He's living his life until he dies and scares me to death with weights him. And I don't want that for my brother because I do love my brother and he's a good person. But God and I have had so many conversations. I just say, Steve, that's how I pray for my brother. I'll go down my list of people and I just go, Steve. And I know God's in heaven going, I got you. I know, Mark. Because see, God loves Steve more than I do. I don't have to give God something to do. I just have to say, God, overwhelm Steve with your presence. That'll be enough. If you're stuck, call out in your distress and God will meet you in the tent of meeting if you'll take yourself there. We pray because we get to. And what we get is the presence of God. I'd like you to spend just 15 or 20 seconds praying for yourself or praying for another or asking God to bring you to life in the gift of prayer. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.